0: Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the back seat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Serechia, and this is The Field Guide to Awesome. Welcome back to The Field Guide to Awesome, folks. In my last episode, we spoke with Derek Loudermilk. Derek Loudermilk is a former pro cyclist and extreme microbiologist turned professional adventurer, author, and lifestyle entrepreneur. His podcast, The Art of Adventure, has become one of the top entrepreneurship and travel podcasts. Derek Loudermilk is the creator of the Leap System for Quantum Entrepreneurs. His business coaching process incorporates the Thought Leaders MBA, the Adventure Mindset, and the Energy Experience and Peak Performance Mastery. As an international speaker and trainer, Derek regularly presents on topics such as human potential, skill mastery, adventure, charisma, and confidence. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. But stick around, folks. My next guest is Stephen Randell. Stephen is a California licensed architect who specializes in residential work for more than three decades. His projects are built throughout California as well as across the country. His current focus is on helping other creative professionals build careers to love by focusing on four pillars of success, passion, persistence, patience, and payoff. It's not what you think, so stay tuned and find out more. Let's welcome Stephen Corley Randell. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming back and talking to me again. I'm so happy to have you back.
1: Thank you for having me again. This is really a wonderful experience to be with you here today.
0: Last time we spoke, you were talking about your four pillars of success. I would love for you to share more about that because Offline, we had had a little conversation, and you were talking about how this new environment is a really massive reset for everyone. You know, whether you're forced to make a change or you wanted to make one anyway, and now's the time, you know, to really reflect on where you are and where you want to go next. Um, Taking this as an opportunity to change your course in life for the better and really do what you love. This would be a really great time to really pull in those four pillars that you. Touched on in our last interview.
1: Oh, absolutely! We can go into more detail about these and how I came up with these and what they mean. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'd love to hear about where you were before you found those four pillars.
1: Sure, sure. Well, I can give you a little bit of a story if you'd like to hear that. Sure,
0: I love stories, don't you, listeners?
1: (laughs) I grew up in West Texas. And this is a bit of a story about unexpected places. Mm. So, I grew up in West Texas in a region known as the Permian Basin. It's 250 miles wide, 300 miles north to south. This geologic formation contains one of the largest, most productive petroleum producing regions in the world to this day. Wow. It's flat, it's dry, there's no trees. Oh, man. Yes, they have sandstorms, ice storms, storms, snowstorms, thunderstorms, tornadoes, and because it's Texas, tumbleweights as big as your pickup. (laughs) However, because of the wealth generated by the oil industry, people built big, beautiful, nice houses all over the small city in which I grew up. And that fascinated me. When it came time to go to college, I wanted to get as far away from West Texas as I could. And that was the architecture school at Texas A&M University, 400 miles to the Southeast between Austin and Houston. That first year of college was blissful. I relished the courses. I looked up to the professors. I met lots of interesting new people and made great friends. For the junior year of the architecture program, they offered a study abroad option, which Ooh. I jumped on. Oh, yes. yeah. So we lived in the Chianti Hills of the Tuscan region, south of Florence, Italy.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And they took us all over the country. We saw Venice, Milan, Pisa, Assisi, San Gimignano, Rome, Pompeii, Pastium, and the Amalfi Coast, to name a few
0: oh my god that's gorgeous
1: it was as magical as it sounds the summer when i came back from europe a relative of mine who lives in washington dc said come here and get an internship job so i did i went to work for a large international architecture firm that did high rises and airports and hospitals and i realized i just (laughs) want to design houses yeah But I got to spend the summer in Washington. It's a great place for young people, you can walk everywhere, the subway goes everywhere. The city is full of people from all over the world and the public museums are free. After that summer in Washington, I went back to Texas A&M and finished up that degree. And then I moved to Austin, Texas, one of my favorite places rolling green hills full of live oak cypress and mesquite trees surround crystal clear lakes and rivers oh my
0: god that sounds beautiful
1: it's one of the most beautiful cities in the country it really does and the city's culture revolves around a world-class university and there's a music nightlife scene unparalleled to anywhere else in the country but
0: Oh, dun-dun-dun.
1: Yes, (laughs) this was the mid-1980s. And the Texas oil industry at the time had gone bust. Uh
0: Uh-oh.
1: You couldn't find an architecture job to save your life, let alone one starting out like me.
0: Mm.
1: Ironically, a friend of mine worked for Chevron and was transferred from Houston to San Francisco. And I went to California a couple of times to visit and while I was there, he said, you should look for a job here. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know anyone in California and it's so expensive to live in San Francisco. I went anyway, within a month, I found my dream job. I went to work for a prominent architect on the San Francisco peninsula who did nothing but big, beautiful California houses of all, Styles, I was in heaven.
0: That's thrilling.
1: Greatest experience of my life. Since that time, I've done new houses, remodels, and additions for my clients in California. I did what I really wanted to do. And I'd like to help other people with these four pillars do and pursue careers that they will enjoy and find their passion and follow their passion. You know, recently <laughs> I recalled when I was in high school I'd gone to the mall into a poster shop if you remember those. Yeah. And I <laughs> and I found this panoramic image which I bought took home and I put on my bedroom wall. It was there all through high school and every morning when I would wake up it's the first thing I would see. What was of it? Of course. Of course. It was a photograph of the Golden Gate Bridge with San Francisco in the background. Oh
0: now, man, talk about vision boarding.
1: Well, exactly. But I can tell, here, here's what's interesting about this is that I can tell you when growing up and at the time I had no intention of moving to California, it just wasn't in my field of vision, but I must have said it in my peripheral field of vision. And now I wanna help other creative professionals to pursue work that they'll enjoy, to stand up to the challenges that they think they can't handle and handle them anyway, to deal with the headaches, heartaches, hassles and hangups that we all encounter. But most of all, most of all, to grab opportunities as they arise and run with them so that they too, can experience their unexpected and awesome places.
0: That's fantastic. So how did you come across the four pillars of success that you talk talk about?
1: So I was using a coach uh, about uh, creating a speaking business or, or speaking on whatever it was that I could speak about. I mean, like I said, I could talk about architecture all day long, but you know, that probably bores quite a few people, but it seems to be a little more universal, where people are trying to figure out what to do with themselves and their lives and their careers. And you know who doesn't want to enjoy the work that they do? Everyone does. Mm-hmm. So I you know, I, I took the challenge of, you know, think about it. think about what you did, where you were, your experience, and how you dealt with things. And so after you know, some really careful reflection. I came up with these, you know, really easy to remember, somewhat simple, uh, concepts all beginning with P's of the four pillars, persistence, patience, excuse me, I came up with these four pillars of passion, persistence, patience, and payoff. And that seemed to really, Sum it up in our nice, comprehensible nutshell that, you know, I can communicate to people with a conceptual ideal of what you can, you know, use to see and, 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 and uh, monitor where you are with things. You mm. Yes, you need passion, but you also need persistence because it's real life. Yep. And you need patience because you need patience in real life. And you need payoff, not necessarily because you want to get paid, but you want to contribute.
0: Right. So tell me a little bit more about passion, because that's your first pillar. Sounds yes. like that is the base of everything.
1: It is, exactly. And I equate these to the constructing a house. And you think of passion as the foundation on which you will build everything else. It's about what drew you in, in the first place, and that's what you want to hold on to.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it also sort of lights the fire inside and is like, almost like a combustion engine that keeps moving you forward.
1: It It is. And, you know, another very short, quick story is I was five or six years old and I, I can tell you, I wanted to be an architect from a little kid and I got some notebook paper and a pencil and I sketched a house and I showed it to my grandmother. And she says, sure got a lot of windows. (laughs) (laughs) Was I discouraged? Not at all. I wanted to know how many windows should it have? Where should they be? How big should they be? In her mind, she's thinking, how do I keep all of that West Texas sand and dust off those windows? (laughs) But, But passion is about having a fascination in the work that you do and wanting to explore it as much as you possibly can. And you know it's right when you're having fun, fun in the work that you do.
0: And how does that lead to persistence? What is the second pillar of persistence? How does that play in with your pillars?
1: persistence is the walls and the roof of the building it's how you decide to form and cover the work that you do and this is where the hard work begins this is Mm. where you have to learn this is where you have to study this is where you have to put in the effort this is where you have to put in the hours and the and the enemy of all of that persistence is distraction Mm. and there's all kinds of distractions right that's uh, one thing we all have to look out for in anything we do, in everything we do. Are you getting distracted of where you really want to go? Are you, is something taking you away from your focus? Is something taking you away from, from what you really love? You know, in the last show, I believe I told a story about taking a job that, and a firm that did gas stations. Oh, my gosh, what a mistake that was. And, and, and I should not have done that. I really should not have done that. Uh, Now, here's the thing though, we all make mistakes and that's just part of it. So you you make the mistake and you course correct. And you have- It sounded
0: like the mistake that you made was, it just wasn't where your passion was. It just wasn't, you were still, you still managed to be successful doing what you did, but the joy and the passion just wasn't there.
1: Exactly. It was the wrong, you know, focus of work. It was architecture. It was the kind of work. I mean, it was, I was doing the type of work that I was trained to do that I needed to learn how to do, but the focus of it was off, right? The focus was way off and that's the problem. It's the focus. You you have to be in something that you really want to be in and you, and you want to maintain that. And there's a reason you know, I think this is the metaphysical part of this is there's a reason for that. Now you may not know what that reason is, but you want to keep, you know, you want to keep that sense, that spark that's in you.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I have an idea of forming, but I think I need to hear a little bit more about um, how your third pillar plays into passion and persistence.
1: You want to think of the third pillar, patience, as getting the details on the building correct. Mm-hmm. This is how you refine and define the work that you do. And it's about going on a quest and venturing into the unknown. It takes introspection and personal growth. And you know you have patience, right? When you achieve a sense of enlightenment,
0: Mm, like that aha moment,
1: exactly. And I think I mentioned uh, earlier today, or then in the previous interview, that my enlightenment, you know, ultimately, and and I'm this took many, many decades before I got to this point where I said, you know what, all good design is timeless. There's bad Mm -hmm. examples of classical. There's bad examples of modern, but there's good examples what makes those good examples good yes. so yeah it's a, a if you if you if you if you're going along doing what you want to do loving your job this third pillar you, you're making progress you're really getting into the work you really have the experience you will you will come to an enlightenment it's not that far off from the old uh uh, uh hero's journey experience. Mm. It's very similar Mm. to that. In fact, I think it is that. So,
0: What was tickling my brain as you were talking about your first three pillars from how you described your career progression? I wanted to be able to connect that to entrepreneurship in general. If you think about entrepreneurship, like a person has a business and it's something that they know how to do but they don't have passion in it. It's not necessary to throw it all away and create something new from scratch. Maybe it's taking a different direction. Maybe it's finding what about the career, what about that entrepreneurship endeavor really is lighting the fire in you and doing more of that, going in that direction, using that as a compass to direct your next steps.
1: That's exactly correct. And I can tell you, I remember being in college and the professors would say, um, or a couple of my professors said that, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can work in this industry, in this profession. And you want to go where you will do your best job. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for example, If you work in a big architecture firm, let's say in New York, your your job in that firm is probably gonna be pretty uh, narrow, narrow, a, a specific scope of that business. And it may just be client relations or attaining clients. You don't ever pick up a pencil, you never draw anything, you never open the CAD software, you just bring in clients. And there's nothing wrong with loving architecture, but not wanting to design a building, but wanting to get people to build beautiful things. And you bring them in and you have your team do it. Now, you know, in my case, I work, I've worked for myself alone for 20 years. I do it, I do everything really. But my projects are very small compared to a lot of other projects. So you, as entrepreneurs, you want to think, okay, I've got this company running, and we make uh, we make sofas, <laughs> for yeah. example. And uh, you could care less about sofas. In fact, all you have in your house is chairs. <laughs> and but what you love, what you love, is having a company that produces something that sells, that's successful in their sales, and you make that company run smoothly, and you have employees who, who have a living and they're securely employed and you get joy out of that. You know, you really have to find your, your joy and then, you know, you can delegate, you can uh, have a certain part of your company that does other parts that you, you know, are not good at. I mean, this is, and this is the whole thing about any of this is that you do really have to know what you are good at and what you are not good at whether you're passionate about it or not, you know, mm. uh, it, it doesn't, you know, you can be really good at something, but not necessarily be passionate about it, but you can get the job done, right? And then move on. Another thing. things- Yeah, the might- difference
0: being um, your zone of genius versus your zone of excellence. You know, a lot of us function within our zone of excellence and don't have enough time to focus on our zone of genius. And the zone of genius is what you love to do What you're great at, and what people want, and your zone of excellence is really what you're good at doing.
1: Yeah, your 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 genius is your gift. It comes. It's something that comes to you with kind of out. You you really don't know why. Uh, uh, Like in the story I mentioned earlier about growing up, and I I mean I was lucky. They built these really wonderful houses all over town, and they were all kinds of styles, all kinds of architecture. And I remember as a kid thinking to myself, where does that come from? How do they know how to do it that way? What is it, you know, what, what is that? Mm. And that's what fascinated me. And that seed right there was my, you know, and it's not that I'm saying I'm a genius in the work that I do. I do very ordinary, simple projects and I love it. But, you know, I'm fascinated by, you know, the differences between the styles and what defines a style and where does that come from? And it, you know the great thing about architecture, and what I love about it, is that it is incredibly rich in its history, but it's also incredibly complicated. Yeah. So it's hard to understand it, you know. And it took me years to really get to where I'm like, ah, I see now. You know, I get it now. Where they, I see where they got that. This is what that means. And uh, so I think it's, you know, I think it's um, your your genius, your your gift is something that it, it just kind of comes to you and you don't really know exactly why. And then your, you know, your excellence is, I can produce a darn good set of drawings. Yep. <laughs> in, in my sleep now, right? And uh, that's just because I've been trained, I know how to do it. Uh, it is tedious and it is boring. But that's what has to get done to get the job done. See, that's yeah. my balance. Is like, that's what I have to do. And I get to design, you know, so, uh, uh you know, that, uh, y- 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 you, have to always live in the reality, right? you y- I mean, you can't, nobody has a job where it's, you know, peaches and cream every day. That's just silly. You know, you you, <laughs> you don't yeah, want to You know, know, that's
0: one of the things, um, when I was, um, back in 2014, I took a sabbatical and I traveled for six months through Central America, Europe, Southeast Asia, just with a backpack. It was an amazing experience, but I still got sick. I still had rough days. There were still challenges that I experienced, but the people back home who watched me saw me going on this fabulous adventure you know, and they would tell me about their problems. And it, oh, it was also during the time of the polar vortex here in the Northeast. It was ridiculously cold. I mean, it was, I can't even express how cold it was. I wasn't here. Um, but my electric bill, which I had basically turned my electricity down low, was probably twice what I'd pay during the summer when I had my air conditioner running. And that was just to keep the pipes from freezing.
1: Right.
0: So I would still have challenges. But what I realized during that trip was that you will always have challenges. There will always be difficult times. You will always have rough days. But the difference is you get to choose how you get to perceive it. You get to choose the kinds of problems that you will experience. I could be home. In the United States, freezing my took us off, or I could be in Paris where it is still cold, rainy, and a little wet,
1: <laughs> right?
0: And have a cold, but I get to have that cold in Paris <laughs> and not stuck at home. Exactly. I get to decide how I want to live my life, and where I live my life, and where I create my business. And so I think no matter what, you're going to have challenges and you need that persistence to really move through that and the patience to move through that experience and to work through it.
1: Precisely, precisely.
0: And then we have the fourth pillar.
1: Yes. The fourth pillar to building a career to love is payoff yeah think of payoff as the completed building it's what the world is going to see it's having gone to those unexpected places and it's not about what you it's not about what you return to yourself it's about what you return to others along the way you will gain a sense of empowerment and contentment and that your life has purpose and contribution.
0: Mm. Yeah, the payoff is, sounds like purpose, leaving a legacy.
1: It is. The payoff, you wanna think about the payoff or you know you have the payoff right when you deliver enrichment to others as well as yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, careers and work aren't easy. You know, along the way, you'll encounter, disill- along the way you will encounter disillusionment, obstacles, and confusion. It's just part of how it works. It's part of the game, right?
0: It is. It is. I don't know about you, but for myself, when I think of the word success and what that actually means to me, it's not success when I'll I'll be happy when I have finally have this or I have that much money or I have um, this size business. It's, I am happy now experiencing what I'm experiencing. I am satisfied with what I have, but I know there's more and I want to reach for that. But I'm happy in the moment. But you get to enjoy each moment along the way.
1: Exactly. So that
0: when you get to that success, it's joyful, it's exciting, and it's also motivating because you know there's more.
1: Exactly. I want to make a point about all of this that I think is really, really critical. And that is that you don't want to think of your life as a destination somewhere Mm. down the road. That is not life. I live in Palm Springs, California, around a lot of people who are retired and they spent their lives doing, not everyone of course, but some of them spent their lives doing things they really didn't want to do. They have plenty of money now, but they're not that happy. Mm. And I don't. I, I believe they're not that happy because they didn't have the experience. They didn't find joy in their everyday life. They did the grind. They put the money in the bank, and they got to the destination, big house, pool. I'm sad. Yeah.
0: Now I'm, what?
1: Yeah, yeah. But now what? I'm bored to death. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's life is not a destination. It's 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 an experience every day, and you want to find that joy every single day. And I mean, I'm talking about even the joy of like, oh man, that is an incredible sunset. You know, oh, let's go to the botanical garden. Let's look at the beautiful plants, and have that experience every single day wherever you are. So that, you know, you're living life. You're not thinking about, okay, I need to have X amount of dollars in the bank by such and such a date so that I can have that place in Florida, you know, in whatever year. (laughs) No, don't do that. I, I really think that if there's anything I want people to think about is, sure, we need to be conscientious of money. We need to save for the future. We need to be careful with money. We need to know that someday we may not be able to work but that is not the focus that is not the goal living is the goal I yes think.
0: yes it is and i'm going to um lay claim on it now because it just popped into my head but joy training happiness training is something that we need to do for ourselves every day because here's the thing If you're looking at success as a destination, if I will be happy when, how will you recognize that happiness if you haven't practiced experiencing happiness along the way? How how will you be able to appreciate that happiness? And how will you be able to make that happiness last? And one of the reasons that I bring this up is that um, I forget who I was having the conversation with, but when you think about your accomplishments in the past, like you've achieved something big, how long did that happiness last? For a lot of people, and I know for myself, I've, I've experienced this, and I work every day um, to change that, is that You know, I accomplished something big and I'm happy for a day, a a week, a month, maybe. And then I'm on to the next I was on to the next thing. You know, I I've lost that happiness. Now there has to be more. And so now I'm unhappy and I'm working on reaching the next height, you know, that that next level, whatever that is at the time. And What would it be like to be able to experience that payoff for a longer period of time? To have that payoff be something that is extended and is maybe even a constant state of experience.
1: I think that is what you want. Yeah. You know, when I think about the projects that I've done you know, I'm lucky in the kind of work that I do. Those buildings will be there for decades, if not hundreds of years, perhaps. I don't know. That is a really amazing feeling. I did that. I contributed to that. And someone is in that place now saying, oh, I love this place. I love this house. It, I mean, there could, there's not anything. You can't buy that. You can't, you know, you can't... Uh, uh, just have that out of nothing. You had to put in the effort to may have made that happen. And that's a a priceless feeling that's worth, you know, uh, is worth a great deal in the long run. Well,
0: Stephen, it has been such a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you for having me. This has been fantastic.
0: Stephen, what do you have coming up in the next 12 to 24 months that you're really excited about? What big goal are you looking to achieve?
1: Since we are in a very different situation right now, I am going to pursue more of the speaking, uh, perhaps course, uh, online courses for people, uh, whether that be in architecture or whether that be in career development or career Uh, focus uh, I'm not sure yet but now is the time I Mm. think that you know I have (laughs) I have uh, enough behind me now that I have an experience that I think I can relate to people Um, and I think that if I can give that to uh, your audience that that would be great I uh, if I could just quickly go over the four pillars real quick Um, That
0: would be brilliant
1: Okay, so Think of these four pillars as context and support for your success Why passion? Because we do better work when we're fascinated and engaged Why persistence? worthwhile hard work takes tenacity and commitment Why patience? Because life is about introspection and personal growth. Why payoff? Because we are happier when we contribute to others' well being rather than elevating only ourselves. Mm. It's easy to remember these four pillars it is passion, persistence, patience, payoff.
0: Beautiful. Stephen, where can people find out more about you?
1: You can find out more about my speaking business at goodbonesarchitect.com. You can find out more about my architecture work through stephenrandell.com, which is Stephen with a V. And the last name is R-A-N, like Rand, and D-E-L, like Dell, Randell.com. Awesome.
0: That'll all be in the show notes. Great. Thank you again, Stephen. It's been such a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Trina. This has been wonderful. I'm very grateful. Thank you.
0: Stay tuned for the next episode, folks. Next week, I'll be sharing a portion of an interview I did with Dr. Melissa McDonald for the Allies for Racial Justice Summit 2020. Dr. Melissa McDonald, or Dr. Mack, is a chiropractor in the Twin Cities. She specializes in sport and cares for athletes at all levels and works to ensure that everyone who wants to play can. She is the host of the Mac Performance Podcast, which is a health and wellness show to help you be a more adultier adult. She talks about her journey through white fragility and shares simple, actionable steps we can take as entrepreneurs. So stay tuned, folks. You don't want to miss it. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me and multiply your impact is to please subscribe, rate and review this podcast and help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs like you. As a special thank you, when you leave your rating and review, you'll win a 15-minute free consultation meeting with me to talk specifically about your business just send me an email with an image or a screenshot of your rating and we'll schedule the time. Thanks again and be awesome.